The Delaware pro-abortion attorney general just sued a local city for passing a law that simply required the cremation or burial of aborted children. Why, you might ask? Well, because according to them, it will, quote, uh, make it more difficult and costly for pregnant persons, notice not women, pregnant persons, to be able to receive lawful reproductive health care services. And the Germans try to own the Nazis by scrapping a Nazi-era law which banned doctors from giving women information about abortions. Except they're behaving kind of like Nazis. If actions speak louder than words, then these abortion activists just told us two things. The humanity of the unborn child is axiomatic, and also, they're just like Nazis. <laughs> Jeez. With abortion activists like this, who needs me? I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Welcome to the show today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we just got back from Washington, D.C. We'll be sharing more content and interviews from that trip with you soon. And uh, be praying that this will be the last March for Life before Roe versus Wade is overturned, which we're all hoping and many predicting will happen by the time the Supreme Court releases their decision in June. Uh, if you've been listening to the show for a while, give us a rating and review. It really helps us reach more people. Just hit five stars, uh, leave us a, a comment or review. It actually really does help the show go up the ratings and appear on more related content so people are exposed to the show. And so pro-life individuals and moderates are exposed to ideas that they're probably not exposed to anywhere else. We appreciate you sharing the show and helping us uh, reach more people to take back life in America at such a propitious moment in this country. So the Delaware Attorney General uh, just sued the city of Seaford, okay, for a law that they passed requiring cremation or burial of aborted children. I actually covered a similar law um, coming out of Pennsylvania on the show in the first year we did the show. This was back in 2019 or early 2020. I believe. And you see these pop up every once in a while. And they're very interesting. You wouldn't think they'd be controversial at all, at all, right? It's just like, well, nothing in this law regulates abortion. We're just saying if the baby's already aborted, baby's already dead, we're just asking that the baby can be cremated or buried as opposed to burned <laughs> or have their skin sliced open so that specific organs can be harvested by Planned Parenthood to sell on the black market. And if you're in California, then former Attorney General Kamala Harris will uh, will raid the apartments of the whistleblowers who exposed that rather than going after Planned Parenthood for actually breaking federal law. It seems like a pretty common sense bill, doesn't it? But no, it actually, to the abortion behemoth and activists, it's not. Because it reveals what we like to call on this show self-evident truths, axiomatic truths about the humanity of the unborn. And they can't have that, can they? And so uh, according to Delaware Online, an uh, article by Emily, Emily Lytle and Amanda Fries on January 11th, Delaware Attorney General Kathy Jennings has announced that she will sue a city in her state after it passed an ordinance requiring the remains of aborted children to be either cremated or buried. Here's what Attorney General Kathy Jennings had to say. <laughs> this is uh, hilarious. She says, this ordinance is part of a national wave of anti-abortion policies funded by extremists who would have our country dragged 50 years into the past. 
Left unchecked, it threatens serious, irreparable, and unconstitutional harm. And at the end of the day, it will amount to little more than an expensive publicity stunt. Well, if... If, if that's all it's going to amount to, an expensive publicity stunt, then then why are you opposed to it? Isn't that great? Then the conservatives who are behind this allegedly are just wasting a bunch of money because it's not going to happen anyways, right? <laughs> the lawsuit claims that the ordinance is part of this nationwide movement. And here's what it says. Here's the language of the lawsuit. To quote, make it more difficult and costly for pregnant persons to be able to receive lawful and reproductive health care services and more difficult for health care providers to provide those services. Um, okay, so what we do on the show, right, is we translate leftism uh, into reality, into uh, discernible linguistics that actually makes sense in the real world. That was a bunch of gobbledygook, obviously, and makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, notice at first, first of all, that they can't call um, uh, women who are pregnant women. <laughs> they have to call them pregnant persons because uh, we have to be uh, very sensitive to the inclusive language of the transgender community. And of course, as I've told you before on this show, the underlying worldview that drives trans transgenderism also drives abortion. It's actually the same worldview. It's an old heresy called Gnostic dualism or body self-dualism. The idea is there's a difference between the body and the self. So, so your body is just a shell for the real you because the real person is not the body. The real person is sort of thoughts, aims, desires, uh, conscious self-awareness, cognitive abilities. And because the pre-born hasn't realized those certain cognitive abilities, functions, or self-awareness yet, they might have an unborn body, a human body in the womb, but they're not a person. Similarly, you might have a penis, but if you say you're a woman, then there's really a little bit of a Sally inside of you. Then the real you is not your body, just like the real unborn is not their body. It's something else sort of ethereal or mystical or untangible. And so that's why not all humans are persons. It's actually really the same worldview that drives both, so this shouldn't surprise you. The same pro-abortion bigot maniacs who call the unborn non-persons also can't call women women. They have to call them pregnant persons because, you know, uh, men with urethras can give birth too. Um, welcome to La La Land. Welcome to leftism. But what are they saying, right? This is actually a very interesting question to ask because they're claiming that a law simply requiring the respectful burial or cremation of aborted children is what? Making it more difficult and costly for pregnant persons to be able to receive lawful reproductive health care services. How? How? There's nothing in the bill. It's called ABC 47. There's nothing in the bill that regulates abortion whatsoever. Nothing in the bill has to do with life in the womb. It has to do with dead babies outside of the womb who are already delivered through a miscarriage or have already been aborted and re therefore removed from their mother's uterus. So like, what the heck are you talking about? Ah, see, exactly. They're revealing sort of their more deeper concerns and their motivations in preventing such a law like this from taking place. Okay, so here, let me explain to you what I mean. According to ABC 47, the ordinance states that the remains of all children who were aborted or miscarried must be disposed of humanely. The parent can choose which method they prefer for their child. Ah, but if they do so, they must pay for the burial or cremation. <laughs> Oops. Oh, see? Do you see it? And that's why they're really concerned with this bill. Because parents will be given the option when they show up to the abortion center right before they kill their baby or they pay a hitman to kill their child. They have to, they have to check the box of how they want the remains of their of their very recently alive and now murdered baby to be treated. So so mom now has to sit in the abortion center and she has to come to terms with the reality of what she's actually doing. Does that make sense? She actually has to say, oh yeah, 
there's going to be a dead infant cadaver and I have to decide what to do with it. So that forces mom or dad to sort of center themselves and force them to put specific language to the action that they are contemplating and paying an abortionist to wield on their unborn child. <laughs> and then if they do choose, they have to pay for the burial or cremation. So then they got to write a check to bury the kid that they already paid to kill. Do you see how that forces reality back into their consciousness, into their life? It doesn't allow them to get away with the sort of leftist linguistics and gymnastics that are so prevalent in the culture of death, right? The culture of death requires euphemisms. They require the manipulation of language to pull off their political project, right? This is why they call chopping off the genitalia of an eight-year-old boy because his parents are trying to transition him into a girl. You know what they call that surgery? Gender affirmation surgery. <laughs> Abortion becomes reproductive health care. Do you see? They have to manipulate language in this way to, to make their political project more palatable to the American public and therefore not reveal the more true and sinister realities of, of what they're aiming to do. And unfortunately, human beings have a really bad tendency of, of, of accepting that type of language, that softening, right? That sugarcoating um, in, in order to remain apathetic about this evil. And this is why we know so many allegedly pro-lifers who actually vote for Democrats. It's like, well, that's not really pro-life. And they, they're, they've sort of fallen prey to, to some of the, the linguistic gymnastics of the culture of death. So this is really what they mean when they say that this lawsuit is part of a nationwide movement to make it more difficult and costly for pregnant persons to get abortions. Why more difficult? Because they might start realizing that what they're doing is actually wrong because they have to uh, rec they have to contend with the reality of what they're doing by deciding how to treat the cadaver of their baby. Oh, I didn't want to think about that. I just wanted to think it was a blob of tissue. Yeah, well, you don't have to cremate or bury blobs of tissue, do you? You only have to do that with human beings. That's why they're really opposed to this bill. Uh -huh. But we've been told the unborn is not a person, right? It's just a parasite. It's like a parasite or like a tumor. So why would asking parents how they want to dispose of a non-person blob of matter quote, make it more difficult to get an abortion, right? According to their own worldview, their own language, their own ideology, right? According to the pro-choice position, nothing about this bill should make it more difficult for women to get an abortion because they just have to check a box deciding how to treat an uh, untermensch, non-person, subhuman, insensate blob of tumor tissue. So what's the big deal? Oh, right, exactly, because it's not. And when you actually have to think about the humanity of the baby, you're less likely to choose abortion. That's what this attorney general pathetic excuse for a person actually means. Because they know it's a human being. They're doing a far better job doing my job than I am, revealing the reality of their agenda. The article goes on and says, the state says Seaford's legislation, that's the name of the city, is preempted by state law. Attorneys for the Department of Justice says Delaware has already enacted laws and regulations for medical services, the treatment of human remains and medical waste, including fetal remains and the reporting of pregnancy terminations. So then what's the problem? So what's the big deal? If Delaware already has state legislation on how to deal with fetal tissue after an abortion and the city wants to do the same thing, then how is that causing anything bad or negative to happen. Uh, well, let's get into the law. The Delaware law limits cremation and burial to dead bodies, which does not include fetal tissue, 
that weighs less than 350 grams, okay, or fetal tissue, that's a, it's, that's a dead baby, okay, they're using euphemisms, it's, a, it's an aborted baby, <laughs> um, prior to 20 weeks gestation. So Delaware state law does not require cremation or burial of aborted children if killed before 20 weeks, do you see? To cremate or bury a human body, a death certificate and per permit must be issued. And you can't get that for the aborted babies or miscarried babies if it's before 20 weeks or less than 350 grams. Only fetal tissue that weighs more than 350 grams or is after 20 weeks gestation can receive a death certificate, according to the Eternal Gen Attorney General's suit. <clears throat> Seaford's ordinance disregards the state law on this matter, <clears throat> legislating that abortions or miscarriages during any point of pregnancy must be cremated or buried. Ah, once again, now we're actually getting into the nitty gritty of why Delaware Attorney General uh, Kathy Jennings <clears throat> and the ACLU that is involved with this lawsuit with them, of course, the pro-abortion ACLU, is actually <clears throat> so upset and concerned with Seaford's state or city ordinance because, and here it is, right? These sicko pro-abortion creeps don't want any laws that subtly teach about the humanity of unborn babies at the very stage of development that the majority of, of abortions happen. Does that make sense? Let me say that again. These sickos don't want any type of legislation that subtly teaches about the humanity of the unborn baby at the very stage of development that the majority of them are killed at. Right? <laughs> because the vast majority, over 90% of abortions, according to the Guttmacher Institute, Planned Parenthood Statistical Research Branch, occur within the first trimester, the first 12 weeks, okay? And then it's a significant, it's, uh, let's see, 90, it's like seven, six or 7% in the second trimester, and then a vast minority in the third trimester. And so, of course, they don't want a law that requires humane treatment of aborted human beings at earlier and earlier stages because that communicates that they're human beings, they deserve humane treatment, so therefore obviously they're not insensate blobs of tissue. It's easier to allow legislation that requires the burial of aborted babies after 20 weeks because they just look so much more obviously like us. But I mean, in that first trimester, I mean, come on, they don't look like us at all. They're obviously not persons. Do you see the concern here? The abortion industry makes the lion's share of their funds on killing babies in the first trimester. So a city ordinance that says that miscarriages or abortions during any point of pregnancy must be cremated or buried communicates and teaches the humanity of the unborn, right? That's why Aristotle said statecraft is soulcraft, right? Because state, the government through its laws and policies actually teach. They teach moral truths within those laws. And that's what they're attempting to do here in this Seaford city in Delaware. This bill is simply a reminder. These are human beings. So what does all this really mean? Why are they so angry about giving murdered babies a proper burial? The, the pro-abortion movement has never and will never and won't entertain anything that even slightly insinuates that unborn children are persons with the rights thereof. Do you understand me? They, they, they will, this is why they trot out lawsuits literally on the most like soft soap, moderate type of allegedly pro-life legislation you could think of. Like, I don't know, parental notification laws. Like, hey, if a minor wants to get an abortion, can we at least have a law that their parent has to approve of it since that same minor can't get freaking aspirin? 
at their school without parental consent. They can't go on a freaking field trip without a permission slip and parental consent. Oh, but they can kill their parents' grandkid without parental consent. Like these are so common sense. And yet the pro-abortion movement and their lackeys in the media and their journalistic prostitutes and their lawyers who file these lawsuits always file a lawsuit on all of these bills. Here's another one that should literally be the most least the least controversial thing of all, except it is because it communicates the truth that unborn children are human beings. Even if it doesn't regulate abortion at all, it's teaching the public something about that baby in the womb. And they can't tolerate that whatsoever because their agenda and their movement is built on lies. It's built on the manipulation of language. Demanding that murdered children are given a proper burial or cremation with a death certificate communicates that these unborn children are children with a humanity deserving of respect, who, whose death is tragic enough that it actually meant something. It actually meant something, and they should get a death certificate too. Uh, you can't communicate those kind of truths to the public, though, if you have a vested political and financial interest in profiting off of abortion. If aborted children should be shown respect after death, then perhaps they should be shown respect while they're still alive. <laughs> Do you hear that? If aborted children should be shown respect after death, Perhaps they should have been shown respect when they were still alive by never being killed. In other words, if a dead fetus, a dead baby after an abortion, still has enough dignity to him that we should treat him with respect, doesn't it make a lot more sense to say, well, maybe we should have treated him with respect before when he was still in the womb by not killing him in the first place? <laughs> well, these are the questions you're not allowed to ask. That goes against pro-abortion ideology. The pro-choice movement never allows anything to shake or threaten their ideology. That's sort of like the famous elf line, you sit on a throne of lies, right? They, they really do sit on a throne of lies and the mutilated bodies of babies killed in abortion. Because the humanity of the unborn and the inhumanity of abortion is kind of self-evident, isn't it? It's kind of obvious. Most people with a semi-functioning moral conscience who have not been indoctrinated into ideology have sort of a gut sort of re reaction to abortion. There's not something nice about that. That's our posterity. That's the future. That's a human being. Oh yeah, I was a former fetus. That's where I came from. I'm glad my mother didn't abort me because I had dignity, because I had value. Oh, then maybe all children do. It's sort of a self-evident position, the pro-life position. So you have to manipulate language. You have to launch entire propaganda campaigns to explain one of the most heinous acts you could imagine, like the dismembering of the limbs of little ones before crushing their skull to remove them out of their mother's womb, the very location created to house them and in which they were designed to be kept safe as just reproductive justice. The amount of work you have to do to soften the reality of what you do and then get Americans to champion that and call it a right um, is the only way they can actually pull off their political campaign in the first place. And so people must be shielded from those self-evident truths, those axiomatic, axiomatic truths, those obvious truths. And this goes right back to the Nazis' sort of approach to the manipulation of language as well, right? Joseph Goebbels, the very famous or infamous Nazi propagandist, once described how they pulled off their project, the dehumanization of the Jews and the sort of 
the entrenching of what they were doing as just necessary for human equality and the flourishing of the Aryan race. And you'll see the same type of um, campaign today. Here's what Joseph Goebbels said. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. But the lie can be maintained only for such a time as the state can shield the people the state, the government, can shield the people from the political, economic, and or military consequences of the lie. <laughs> What's he saying? He's saying you can get people to believe lies by saying it over and over and over and over again, but, but you have to shield them, right? They have to be hidden and shielded from the consequences of the lie. <laughs> then he says it thus becomes vitally important for the state to use all of its powers to repress, repress dissent. For the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie. And thus by extension, the truth is the greatest enemy of the state. <laughs> That's that Maya Angelou line, right? When someone, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. <laughs> Goebbels is saying, yeah, yeah, here's who we were. Here's how we did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the big lie that the Jews were not really persons and they were untermensch, subhuman, and they could be killed and they were useless eaters. Um, we were actually able to get people to believe that lie. We just said it over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. And then we used our powers to sort of suppress the consequences of people realizing that lie and dis of, of the dissenters of our political regime so that people wouldn't really hear their voices and kind of become woke to the reality or the consequences of believing that lie. And what are the consequences of believing that lie? Well, in abortion, it's preborn babies, right? They're, that's the first consequence. Innocent human beings are killed. Additional consequences are that the rest of the country begins to dis disintegrate as well because you can't build a republic on the right to abortion, the posterity of the country, and no other right that flows from the right to life can be maintained or protected by the very people who believe that some human beings don't get the right to life. Well, if some don't, then maybe others don't, and who gets to decide then who has the right to life and who doesn't? These are some of the consequences applied to abortion of the lie, the lie that not all humans are persons. The Nazis believe that, pro-choicers believe that. Today, people have to be shielded, says Joseph Goebbels, from those self-evident truths. That's what Delaware's doing. That's what Attorney General Kathy Jennings is doing. That's what the pro-abortion movement does. Suppress it, hide it, don't let the truth get out. And in this case, don't even allow a piece of legislation that requires respectful burial or cremation of aborted children because what? It might communicate that they're human beings. Only through words, ideology, and meticulous marketing can the left suppress the self-evident nature of the pro-life position. And laws like this one in Delaware, the city in Delaware, cut to the quick. They cut through their carefully constructed fantasy and force people to do, I know, ready? It forces people to think. <laughs> something that we don't do very much in America anymore. And once you start really thinking and dealing with reality, you become pro-life and you reject abortion, the very thing that the abortion industry cannot allow to happen. Speaking of Joseph Goebbels and the Nazis, by the way, next we're going to look at how the new government in Germany is channeling their inner Nazi in order to own the Nazis. Yes, we'll get to that in just one second. But first, I want to share an exciting announcement with you, okay? This is the week. This is the week, 
of the Love Life California Conference at Calvary Chapel Chino Hills. I've been telling you about it. We want to see you there. But we have a live stream as well available. We have live stream tickets available if you can't make it in person. LoveLifeCalifornia.org. Listen, what happens in California doesn't stay in California. But unfortunately, that phrase has always been applied to wickedness. We want to redeem that, own that statement back to apply to righteousness. That what happens for life and liberty and righteousness in California will spread across the country. If God's people who worship an unborn child, (laughs) the greatest former fetus to have ever existed, begin to wake up and get comfortable with being uncomfortable by contending for the right to life of preborn image bearers who dwell in the same location that our Savior entered human history in. We have Kurt Cameron. We have Nick Vujicic. We have Jack Hibbs. We have myself. We have Justin Reeder, the founder of Love Life. We have Dr. Anthony Leventino, the former abortionist. We have Melissa Odin, a abortion survivor and the founder and director of the Abortion Survivors Network. We have Monica Klein, a former Planned Parenthood sex educator and more. You're not going to want to miss it. LoveLifeCalifornia.org. LoveLifeCalifornia.org. And you can use my code UNABORTED25, UNABORTED25, all caps, UNABORTED25 for 25% off all ticket sales. Again, if you're not in Southern California, just get some virtual tickets. If you're anywhere in California, make the journey down the day before. We'll see you at Calvary Chapel Chino Hills, January 29th to wake up the most powerful organism for change, the church, so people stop running to abortion centers and start running to the church of Jesus Christ. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. Welcome back to the show, guys. So Germany's new government uh, just came out and said that they're going to scrap this they, this Nazi-era abortion law. Ooh, you're probably thinking, it's probably some pro-abortion law, right? That, that it means they're going to scrap it and become more pro-life because abortion is kind of part of eugenics and it also labels a new victim class as human non-persons, just like the Nazis believed about the Jews. This is a good thing, right? No. <laughs> Actually... Hitler and the Nazis were actually not very much uh, for abortion. They were kind of against it. Sort of interesting. This article in The Guardian by Kate Connolly on January 18th dives into this. Um, they actually labeled the article uh, Germany's new government to scrap Nazi-era abortion law, just to give you a little bit about the bias of the media there. They say a Nazi-era law banning doctors from giving women information about abortions is to be scrapped by Germany's new government in a decision welcomed by activists who have long argued that it has hampered women's ability to make informed choices. The Justice Minister, Marco Buschmann, said he will ditch paragraph 219A from the Penal Code after almost 90 years, meaning that doctors will no longer have to fear prosecution if they provide information about the procedure. The law change was included in the coalition contract between the Social Democrats, Greens, and the FDP, which states, quote, the option to terminate a pregnancy at no cost is part of a reliable healthcare system. (laughs) Uh, You know, again, once again, I mean, you know this, guys, but if you're new to the show, or you haven't really paid attention before, always listen for how the left explains abortion, what words they use to describe what they mean by abortion. They say the option to what? To abort, to murder, to dismember, no, to terminate a pregnancy, (laughs) okay. People's, people are not pregnancies, people are people. Pregnancy is, um, is what you are as a woman when you have a human being in your womb, okay? You don't terminate a pregnancy, you, you terminate a child who is making mom pregnant. You know this, but again, just listen to how they, how they describe it. 
they continue and say abortions are technically illegal in Germany, but they are allowed under certain circumstances and must be carried out within the first 12 weeks. The woman is also required to receive counseling and the doctor must check that this has been carried out. Okay, so much more conservative, obviously, than America, which we're in the company of like five countries that allow abortion after 20 weeks or through all nine months. An abortion is not considered a punishable offense if the pregnant woman's life is in danger or the pregnancy might lead to severe physical or psychological impairment. Hospitals run or supported by the Catholic Church do not offer abortions. Okay, so that's sort of the background of this. And here's the paragraph that they wanted to get rid of, okay? The, this Nazi-era abortion law. Paragraph 219A was enacted in May 1933 at the start of the Nazi dictatorship when it was introduced in order to, and here, okay, in order to what? To, quote, protect the German nation. That's how the Nazis described it, uh, why they had this law that prohibited doctors from giving women information about abortion. Why? Because they didn't want them getting abortions. It was, it was done to, quote, protect the German nation. The regime equated abortion with treason, says the article, but the campaign to have it repealed did not start properly until after German reunification in 1990. So if you haven't seen the irony of this yet, let me explain it to you. For those of you who have, you're probably chuckling in your car right now. It's very, very strange. In the name of owning the Nazis and eradicating their bigoted legacy, Germany says, we need to give German doctors the ability to target innocent human beings for slaughter because they're not actually persons. <laughs> oh, wait, <laughs> oops. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, you thought we sounded like a Nazi? Oh, no, 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 no. It's different. Okay, it's not the same thing the Nazis did. Yes, the unborn is not a person um, and you can kill them through abortion, but it's totally different than what the Nazis did when they said that a certain victim class of humans weren't persons and they were untermensch, subhuman, and they could be killed and had no rights whatsoever. It's not the same thing at all, okay? Don't worry. <laughs> That's the irony there, right, of course, is, is they're empowering doctors to target a victim class that the government is saying don't have personhood rights. Sound familiar? <laughs> we'll dive in in a second into actually how big of a problem the German Medical Association actually was with German doctors who what? were primarily responsible for the euthanasia project, who were primarily responsible for what we call the Holocaust. Now, the media bias here is obviously obvious, right? Referring to a law as a Nazi-era law is intentional. It's, it's obviously intended to create negative feelings about the law in question, right? If you, if you call anything Nazi-like, <laughs> you're not saying it's a great thing. Right? The, the media here, the Guardian, of course, radically left. It's, it, that's intentional, right? They're trying to make you view this old law which prohibited doctors from giving women information about abortions in Germany as this bad thing. They're saying this is bad because this anti-abortion law was created to protect and empower the Aryan race. <gasps> so we need to get rid of this Nazi-era law. That's, of course, what they're saying. But they really missed the ship here. They really missed the takeaway here. The takeaway from this story is not why the law was passed. I don't really care that much about why the Germans had this law in place. That, that's not the story here. Yes, the Nazis wanted Aryan supremacy, and yes, that's very, very bad. The takeaway is this. The takeaway is not even the Nazis wanted abortion. <laughs> like, not even they went that far. Because they knew unborn babies were the posterity. The posterity. The future. You don't have a country. You don't have a future. <laughs> okay. 
you don't have more people and you can't pass down your legacy, right? Your inheritance, your name, <laughs> your future, if you kill all the babies, right? So, okay, was part of it because they just wanted more Aryans and their supremacy? Okay, sure, maybe. That's not the takeaway here. The takeaway is not even the Nazis wanted abortion. You crazy, kooky, pro-abortion fanatics. You're more extreme than the Nazis are. So if you're for abortion, you're even more radical. And of course, it was the German doctors, the German medical class, the physicians, those who swore to do no harm, who were primarily responsible for the disgusting, perverted, and euthanasia-like experiments that ultimately led to the genocide of the Jews. In fact, in 2012, the German Medical Association finally apologized for the atrocities committed by German physicians. Uh, just a few years late, <laughs> 2012, I was a sophomore or junior in college. And uh, they, they unanimously adopted this statement and delegates of the Physicians Congress. And here was their statement in May of 2012, their, their apology. They said, in contrast to still widely accepted views, the initiative for the most serious human rights violations did not originate from the political authorities at the time. Did you hear that? The most serious human rights violations did not originate from the political authorities, but rather from the physicians themselves. German doctors were guilty of scores of human rights violations. The crimes were simply not the acts of individual doctors, but rather took place with the substantial involvement of leading representatives of the medical association and medical specialist bodies as well as considerable representatives of university medicine and renowned biomedical research facilities. In other words, the German medical industrial complex was all in. You understand? Yeah, given the fact that German physicians and doctors were kind of uh, pretty involved in declaring not all humans are persons and treating them as non-persons and murdering them, you might want to learn the lessons of history and not empower today's <clears throat> German doctors and bigots who believe the pre-born is not a person and can be killed. And of course, the question becomes, how long will that ideology remain confined to the womb, right? How long until it jumps ship and targets a new class of human beings? Remember, 6 million Jews were murdered in the Holocaust, but about 13 million people were killed overall. Who were those other people? Other non-Jewish people who were also targeted for extermination. Some of them Germans, right? Some of them Poles. You see what I mean? Anytime you allow tyranny for one class of human beings. It's not going to stay there. It's not going to stay there. So you should actually become pro-life. If you're pro-choice, you should actually become pro-life for selfish reasons. Even if you don't care about the unborn, you should become pro-life because you want to protect your own rights. And as long as our government continues to deny the natural right to life to an entire class of human beings, our own rights will constantly be endangered by modern jurists and a ruling class whose judicial philosophy is completely foreign to the Founding Fathers. Now, obviously, I'm talking about America, but this story is pretty ironic, isn't it? Pretty disturbing. It was German doctors who enthusiastically supported Nazi ideology and led the euthanasia program, guys. So Germany's solution now to this horror is to repeat it by empowering pro-abortion doctors to prey upon unborn babies who were also considered Untermensch. Oh, yeah, the Nazi term for subhuman, what they call Jews. What do they say about unborn babies? Subhuman, not really human, partially human, 
a potential human. Do you ever heard those terms? Uh, yeah, those are kind of just synonyms for Untermensch. Now, maybe someone objects and says, but Seth, you can't compare abortion with the Holocaust because the Nazis forced Jews into concentration camps and forcibly killed them. But no one is forcing women to get abortions. You missed the point. You missed the point. You beg the question entirely when you make that objection. You compare the Jew with the woman. I'm comparing the Jew with the unborn child. The two targets, the two victim classes, who are all declared non-persons by their respective governments. Because it's not the mother, or rather, isn't it the mother and the doctor who are forcing the abortion on the unborn child? Right? People always object to my comparison between abortion and the Holocaust, and that's always their, their, their critique. Is Nobody's forcing women to get abortions like they did force Jews to be killed or forced men to become slaves. Uh, but isn't the mother and the doctor forcing an abortion on the unborn child who has no say in the matter? And then they go, oh, that's not the same. Exactly. That's the whole point. Is it the same or isn't it? Does it warrant that comparison or not? You have to make the case for why it doesn't if you oppose my comparison. Every abortion is forced because abortions are not performed on mothers. They're performed on babies, okay? <laughs> if abortion kills something, but it's also just her body, her choice, then why isn't every pregnant woman dead after an abortion? <laughs> because it wasn't her body because the body in her body is not her body, because a different human being and body was killed. That's why mom's not dead after an abortion, because the abortion wasn't performed on her. Abortion is an intentional act of violence that ends the life of a distinct living and whole human being without proper justification, meaning abortions are performed on babies, not pregnant mothers. I know, it, 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 it seems like a distinction without a difference, but it, there actually is a big difference. It's actually very important. When women say they're post-abortion, they say, I had an abortion. I understand what they mean, and, and, I'm, and I don't tell post-abortive women, no, you didn't, because she's often hurting and I'm not going to be a jerk. But technically, if we want to use correct language, we should say, no, you didn't have an abortion. You paid for an abortion on your baby. Right? The baby is the one who's aborted. The abortion's performed on the baby. So yes, the comparison works because all abortions are forced, just like the Holocaust was forced because the victim class had no say in the matter. Who's the victim? The preborn baby, right? And yet America is, of course, much, much worse than Germany, despite the fact that I went after the Germans for trying to own the Nazis by becoming like Nazis. We're actually much worse in America. We're way worse. You, you heard me read the laws in Germany that it's, it's heavily restricted, practically illegal, can only, be, uh, can only be performed in the first 12 weeks, and, uh, and, and that they have to receive counseling beforehand, chuck with a doctor that the counseling's been carried out, and it won't be a punishable offense if like mom's about to die or something like that. Anyway, it's much more heavily restricted than in America. So we are much, much worse. So pro-choice Americans are not really in any position to judge the Nazis. Yes, I said it. I don't want to hear one more time from a pro-choice Democrat politician or anyone who's pro-choice critique or cast judgments upon the Nazis, upon the slaveholders. I don't want to freaking hear it. You're not in a position to judge anything in the realm of morality. So, or frankly, any form of evil whatsoever. <laughs> So that leaves me with this. Let's end with this. Uh, Robert P. George, who is not a friend, but uh, we have many mutual friends. He's one of the top sort of legal minds and natural law thinkers in America, and he teaches at Princeton University. Uh, he's written phenomenal books on abortion and on natural law. 
And he put on Facebook earlier this year this same type of insight and comment about the ludicrous nature of pro-abortion ideologues waxing and waning about morality, about right and wrong, and about justice. And so let's finish with this, since we in America are far worse than Germany on abortion. And one could say, of course, that abortion is significantly more evil than the Holocaust in terms of the number of human beings who have been murdered by the state. Here's what Robert P. George says regarding people who try to uh, talk to us about right and wrong and about morality and justice, but they're all pro-abortion. He says, do they want to talk about right and wrong? <laughs> Social justice, decency. These are people who believe it is perfectly okay, a right, to jam Metzen bomb scissors into the base of the skull of a child whose legs and torso have been delivered but whose head is still inside her mother, open the scissors, insert a suction device, and suction out her brain. That is what a dilation and extraction, DNX or partial birth abortion is. I defy anyone to deny it. I'm just not interested in hearing moral lectures or lectures about social justice, human rights, empathy, or compassion from politicians who support or protect it. Enough is enough. End quote. Robert P. George. <laughs> Go follow him on Facebook. Read his books. Enough is enough, isn't it? I don't want to hear one more time from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi or Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, some of the most pro-abortion politicians in American history. They make, <laughs> they make Obama look like a moderate on abortion. And he was the most pro-abortion president in American political history before Joe Biden, okay? I don't want to hear it anymore. You're not in a position to lecture anyone about morality or right or wrong. Or to quote Mother Teresa, if abortion is not wrong, nothing is. <laughs> nothing is. If you can kill a child, a baby, an innocent human being at their most vulnerable location, at their most vulnerable stage of development, simply because they haven't met their mother's litmus test of wanted, then you can justify anything. Then nothing is wrong. And maybe that's the point, huh? Maybe that's the entire point. Those who kill children cannot be trusted to help children. Despite as much as they'll wax and wane about their social welfare programs and their safety net programs and their little people programs and protecting the little guy and the minority classes who are trying to have families and children and make it easier for them. You don't, you don't care about kids. You're pro-abortion. And of course, the people who kill the unborn who get the right to life wrong will inevitably get every other right wrong. Wake up. Who's been ruining America for the last two years with shutdowns, with mandates, with vaccine policies, etc., etc., etc.? Who's been at the helm, the forefront of all of that? They're all pro-abortion. That's the common thread between all of it. Those who kill the unborn will justify just about anything else. So, it was never about science. It was about power. And nowhere is that more true today than the issue of abortion. Abortion is the centerpiece of secular progressivism. They require abortion. They require it. They need it. Not just to get reelected, right? But in order to prop up their entire political regime. Because if they can get American citizens to participate in the evil of abortion, to fund it, and lest I say celebrate it, 
There's nothing else they can't pull off, and there's nothing else they can't indoctrinate us into supporting or remaining apathetic towards. This is the turning point. This is the Kairos moment <clears throat> for the country. And these stories prove the self-evident nature of the pro-life position. Abortion activists are literally trying to outdo Nazis. <laughs> And they're admitting that the unborn child is a human being because they don't want humane treatment of dead babies already aborted through legislation that doesn't even restrict abortion. It just requires humane treatment of aborted children because it might communicate that they're human beings. Because you know they're human beings. We all know we're killing babies. Thanks for tuning into the show today. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Give the show a rating and review. Let us know what you think. It really helps us reach more people. If you want to support the show and help us um, reach more people, expand our production value, number of episodes, and kind of guests we bring on the show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash unaborted, patreon.com forward slash unaborted to become a patron of the show. Check out the perks and the thank yous you get for supporting the show. If you want to learn more and engage with me online, head on over to Facebook, Instagram, give me a follow. We're now on TikTok as well, or go to my website, sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U, B as in baby boy, E-R.com to sign up for my newsletter, to see my speaking schedule, or to book me for an event as my schedule is filling up quickly. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted.